was beer all over the dance floor. What are we talking? Are we talking about the holidays already? I mean, we're close. We're getting. We're less than two weeks away, everybody. And with that, welcome back to Sports Talk. Steve Kaplowitz with you, along with Adrian Broaddus, hanging out today out here, Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down for Monday Night Football. You can watch not only New England and Arizona, but perhaps the Rodney Terry era getting started tonight at Texas. I can't believe I'm uttering those words, but with the shocking news of what went down early this morning that you just heard about from Adrian, so, so much to talk about. And I'm looking forward to getting all of those calls in today at 505-6009 and also um, on our social media platforms, which would include... 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, and also our mobile app powered by First American Bank where you can listen to the show and chime in at the same time. So, yep, we got all that going for you here today and uh, excited about that. Um, I want to talk about our giveaways because we're going to be giving away lots of prizes at halftime. Our friends at All That Music and Video, located at the Fountains of Farrah, directly below the Best Buy uh, parking lot. Hey, uh, they have been busy, busy, busy. I was just there today. The weekend was rocking. They've got so much stuff still. If you're looking for that holiday shopping, they've got everything you need. LP, CDs, DVDs. Um, they have record players. I shouldn't say record players. They're uh, What are they called now? They're just called uh, turntables. They've got turntables. They're giving those away record players might as well say phonographs uh and date myself that much more so they got turntables uh they've got uh, pop funkos they've got posters they have such great stuff in their boutiques and they've given us our classic prizes the insulated lunch bags the bottle opener keychains and the dvds for both the cards and the patriots our friends at relax el paso have given us two free axe throwing sessions Located 808 Montana, right next to him, Kick Social, a one hour of free fun at Kick Social, 812 Montana. Again, thank you to Relax El Paso and Kick Social El Paso for those great prizes we're going to be giving away today, along with the uh, pair of four packs to the Rhinos. Rhinos were home this past weekend, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement, saw a lot of the uh, on social media, a lot of people having a great time, packed houses both nights, we'll do that as well. So, we've got a lot to cover on the show today. As you might have mentioned, uh, we'll dive right into Beard, UTEP, Cowboys, and everything else. But first, speaking of the Cowboys, Adrian just got back from his trip to uh, Dallas with the boys in 915 Tours to see uh, the Cowboys edge out a win over the Houston Texans yesterday afternoon. Adrian, uh, let's get a, a trip review. I know that included a, a spot with the Foss on laying down the law. How was Dallas this weekend? Oh, Dallas was wonderful. Uh, special thanks to all the great people at 915 Tours. David, Sandy, uh, getting us out there, getting us the entire experience. And, uh, yeah, it was just a phenomenal game. I mean, when you get a chance to go in a sports weekend, and Friday you get a chance to watch a buzzer-beater potential win for the Mavericks against the Bucks, which, is an, which was an unbelievable game. Giannis Antetokounmpo live along with Luka Dantich seeing those guys live is unreal I mean those guys are the next generation of talent in the NBA and that was special in itself on Friday then we met Cavante Turpin punt returner for the Cowboys on Saturday and by Sunday Steve we were figuring we probably jinxed Cavante because he he dropped that punt uh, you know of course the Cowboys were in such a close game that literally went down to the wire it wasn't as loud as you might imagine
it because Cowboys were kind of on pins and needles throughout the contest, mm-hmm. and uh, it took a, a pretty much a game-winning drive by Dak Prescott. Um, you know, and that was following uh, that was followed by a fourth and goal stop by the defense, and uh, you know the Cowboys pull out a huge victory. Laying down the law was as, as hilarious as you can imagine. The Foss was uh, just you know he's he's the Foss every time he, he goes out. He's ready to talk Odell Beckham Jr. three minutes into the segment. He's getting people fired up. Everybody above 50 years old is all on Steve Foster's side. Everybody else uh, is just waiting in the lobby at this hotel uh, watching us. And then um, all of a sudden we had this crew come up to us saying, hey, we really like your show, blah, blah, blah. And it was uh, the members of the Discovery Channel show Time Bandit. Uh, They flew in all the way from Alaska. And of course, you know Foss, he had to bring them onto the show and talk a little bit about Time Bandit, even though he'd probably never seen that show before uh, they mentioned it to him. So uh, nonetheless, it was an outstanding trip. Uh, 915 Tours did an excellent job providing the tailgate experience, the shuttle from the hotel to the actual game, and then the tickets themselves. So we had a great time. Unbelievable. Wow, what a t- such a Foss-like Foss experience, too. And you, and you spent like an hour plus with him. And also, uh, not just Foss, but Chris Fernandez there as well. That's right. Half. Yeah, uh, Foss and Chris. You know, I, I like Chris so much because he holds it down for Foss. Like, he kind of keeps Foss in check all the time. And those two are giving each other jabs left and right. Uh, they are they are definitely, um, you know, the, the type of show. They have that type of show that they like to debate a lot of things. They like to talk a lot of subjects. They bring on some really high-quality guests. And they get Cowboy fans really excited. A lot of people stay at that Sheraton Arlington Hotel Um um, and, uh, you know, they had a lot of people in the lobby just waiting. And he, Foss even had people go up to him and wanting to take pictures with him, which I thought was awesome. Really? Yeah, like in the middle of the show, like whenever we'd hit a break, people would stop by, take photos and stuff. I was laughing at this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. Never knew that was coming. Um, so, and, and by the way, I, I hear it again time after time that uh, 915 Tours just does an unbelievable job with every one of these games. They really do. I mean, from the meet and greet with Cavante Turpin to the shuttle to the game to the tailgate itself, which, hey, the tailgate would have been worth the price of admission just alone. The, all, all you can eat, all you can drink, plus uh, Cowboys lev- legends like Tony Hill, uh, Charles Haley. They even brought in Bill Bates uh, at the end of that event as well to sign autographs, take pictures with people. And, uh, you know, when you get to meet Cowboys legends like that right ahead of the game, it just makes you fired up. And uh, it was just a great experience. Really appreciate 915 Tours. Oh, my gosh. That's, uh, that is awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, listen, happy it worked out well for you. Love the fact that you and the Foss got to join up. I did this when I was up at his, his place in Austin. Remember, I was there back in April. He picked me up at the hotel, took me to his house for his broadcast. You got the same treatment. You're there in your hotel in Dallas. He picks you up and takes you to his location. Foss is, goes above and beyond, man. So he calls me, I guess, right after the spot he had with you all on Friday, and he was ready to set this all up. I called him Saturday since I was, I, you know, we were flying in and we had to uh, head over to the game, and it was getting a little late. So I just figured I'd call him in the morning. He set everything up right there. Just, you know what? Instead of saying, hey, I'll come pick you up, he said, hey, I'll have Chris pick you up. So he's got everything down uh to a t steve you know i foss is is unbelievable but every time you get a chance to spend time with him uh he always makes makes you feel right at home absolutely right oh my goodness what a time that was 
All right, um, let's talk about the latest with the Chris Beard arrest. The affidavit has been obtained by Ryan Atulo, who covers Texas politics for the Austin American Statesman. Okay, according to the arrest affidavit and Ryan's tweet 20 minutes ago, a woman told police Chris Beard, quote, choked me, threw me off the bed, bit me, bruises all over my leg, throwing me around and going nuts, end quote. Uh, She said the choking lasted for five seconds and impeded her breathing, police say. That's the first details we've had of uh, what happened early this morning with Chris Beard uh, prior to his arrest. All right, you just heard that from the arrest affidavit um, involving a woman that we don't know for sure yet. I've heard rumors it's the fiancé, but nobody knows for sure. But that's the details, Adrian. Choking, throwing off the bed, biting, bruises, throwing her around, going nuts, the choking lasting for five seconds, impeding her breathing, which then led to the 911 call. I'll ask you, um, you know, do you believe Chris Beard will stay on as UT's head coach after what you just heard? Probably not, as of what we've heard right now. And Ryan has done such a great job of reporting this story. One of the things that he did remove, though, he had talked and mentioned, used the word fiancé when referencing uh, the complainant right now in this situation, a.k.a. the person who was uh, strangled or, you know, accused Chris Beard of strangling her. Um, He had used fiancé, that word, and he removed that because he's doing that for privacy concerns for the complainant. But he did also say uh, in a tweet, I'm talking about Ryan, he said that Chris Beard told police that he has audio recordings uh, that he was not the primary aggressor. And he was asked if he would uh, you know, turn those audio recordings in. Um, Chris Beard said no. And I think that what we're seeing so far right now is a strong defense from the attor- Chris Beard's attorney side of things with not a lot of backing to all those defenses that they're making right now. Oh, it's a mess, though. It's an absolute mess. So we'll see. And in the meantime, Texas is playing in less than two hours, and you would have to think that uh, Rodney Terry is going to be the new head coach, right? That's right. I mean, uh, you know, Rodney Terry was in an interview, I think, uh, you know, right before tip-off between the Miners and the Longhorns with uh, Colin Deaver of KTSM, and he was he re- used the term, uh, as- you know, I guess like associate head coach. I got hired as a head coach over here at Texas. Well, I mean, he got his wish, right? Uh, if he's going to step in as a possible interim coach for tonight against Rice, he's going up against somebody he knows very well in uh, head coach Scott Para, who, you know, the Owls and the Miners had their battles when Rodney Terry was here in El Paso. Mm, they do. Absolutely right. They do. Do we have the comments from Rodney Terry after the game against Rice two years ago when Rice beat UTEP 71 68? Do we, and, and they beat him in El Paso. Do we have the audio of Rodney Terry from that game? Yes, we do. I'll play it right away. This is coming from Nate Ryan, who previously worked with KVIA, and he did this story back uh, in the pandemic shortened, or I mean the pandemic season. This was actually 2021 of January. I remember watching this game. I could not get any sort of view, any sort of video either, because I was in the crow's nest up top. Uh, but here's the actual, uh, here's the here's the audio from Rodney Terry in the post game press conference after Rice beat UTEP 71-60 in the Don Haskins Center. We're still we're really close to getting to the point to where 
we expect to win every game. And when you expect to win every game, then you're never surprised when you do win a game, you know. And uh, he's been over there almost four, four or five years. They hadn't beat us, you know, and it was like a Super Bowl for their guys, you know. So, you know, I, it was a great example for us to show our guys, though, in terms of, you know, when you hope to win and then all of a sudden you like, man, we really won the game, you act that way. You don't act that way when you expect to win. You walk off the court the same way you, when you came in and uh, and you carry yourself with class. And you don't do all the talking, but we had a lot of talking in this in this series and and uh, we'll be better for it moving forward, you know. And, you know, we get a chance to play these guys again and be great. Wow. All right, so those are the thoughts on Scott Parra, the head coach of Rice two years ago. They're going to meet up again this time around, and it could be Terry against Para again, except this time he's not coaching UTEP. He's coaching the seventh-ranked team in the country. But that does make things pretty interesting heading into tonight's matchup because of the history with the two. Well, I'll tell you this. If Texas has a lead, they are not uh, easing up on the gas pedal tonight, Steve. Uh, Rice right now on the season, by the way, 6-2, and two, kind of a similar, you know, very similar record to what UTEP has. They have wins against the likes of Texas State. Georgia Southern is probably their most significant win. Uh, Western Michigan, they beat them, uh, you know, in mid-November, uh, but haven't played a lot of great opponents so far in the non-conference uh, side of things. So this is uh, really Rice's biggest test thus far. Yep, that's uh, that's this, that's the truth. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, if this is the way Rodney Terry ends up taking over Texas basketball for this season, and we don't know what's going to happen with Chris Beard yet, and. He's got the most powerful attorney in Austin, so keep an eye on that. That could be very interesting, to say the least, and you know, how this will go. But uh, can you just imagine if you're Rodney Terry, you leave UTEP a year and a half ago to become an assistant at Texas, hoping that as the Longhorns get, get, get uh, the, you know, better and better with Chris Beard, your stock uh, keeps going up and up. And then you you ultimately have a chance to get back into coaching at the head coaching level, probably a Power 5 school. If you're Rodney, uh, I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams would have imagined the situation would go quite like this. But that's uh, sometimes what ends up happening. Uh, you never can predict what's going to go on uh, in um, you know anything, sports, life. We'll see. So uh, as of now, as of 4-15, there has not been – a uh, a head coach named for Texas tonight as the situation with Chris Beard gets more and more interesting. All right, we'll get to Orly and more calls coming up right after the break. Happy to have you with us on a Monday. Sports Talk Live, Border City Alehouse. As we go to Charlie One and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. Right now, if not more, the Texas game uh, because of the circumstances as I am watching uh, the Cards uh, host New England. So we got two lines open. Uh, our telephone number, 505-6009. You can also tweet the program at 600 ESPN El Paso or chat with us on our mobile app powered by First American Bank. We've got a minor talk mashup. We haven't even talked about the UTEP game yet from Saturday. We'll do that as well with so much happening here on the program. But first, let's begin today with Orly. He'll kick us off on a Monday. Orly, thanks for the call. Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. First Good afternoon. of all, what's going on with the University of Texas uh, coaching? Let's say you got Monkey Gate. Now you got Chuck Gate. Wow. Uh, just, uh, but you know what? Let's wait to see what happens. Uh, let's see what all the evidence comes out. Knowing Texas, 
And knowing the money they have behind this program, you may not hear about it again. And they get swept under the rug because, you know, money talks and BS walks. That's and right. When you have that, and you have that in, uh, in Austin, there's a lot of money involved in that basketball program right now. So don't be surprised if they get swept under the rug within time before you know it. Uh, let's go to the NFL. Uh, I thought about you and all my friends growing up with their children going to middle going to grade school, taking their kids to practice, taking them to all these years, and it finally pays off watching the Purdy family yesterday during the game, realizing the father crying on the side in the stand. All that hard work when they were little, from Little League all the way up, it paid off. That was a nice sight to see. Well, uh, and a really, and a ridiculous performance. And, and let's be honest, all right? After what happened with the Cowboys yesterday in Minnesota, you can argue right now that outside of the Eagles, the 49ers are the best team in the NFC, and they're playing, uh, they're streaking, they've won six in a row, at, and, and they're hot at the perfect time. Steve, he was also mystery relevant in 2022. Yep. Like he was literally the last draft pick. That's that's so impressive that you get uh, somebody like this, Brock Purdy from Iowa State, that people wrote off as an NFL prospect doing this in the NFL. That's awesome, right there. 16 of 21, 185 yards, two touchdowns, and I think he added one on the ground, didn't he? He had one on the ground. You look, I told you last week, it's a system. He yep. just has to drive the car. Don't do anything fancy. They've got the material around him. I think it's, I think it's going to come down to the 49ers and the Eagles for the championship. It should. That would be the best game. But the 49ers, well, people are not talking much. That 49er defense is stout. They, I mean, they, I mean, they've outscored everybody. That's only the second time somebody has scored in the second half of the last six games. Mm-hmm. They've given up 14 points in the second half of the last six games. Think about it. They've outscored their opponents 85 to 14 in the second half. Adrian, that's, you've that's got a fascinating you've got a fascinating uh, stat on Purdy as well. Yeah, I had no clue about this. I just I just found this on my end. Brock Purdy became the only quarterback in in NFL history to be, beat Tom Brady in his first start, his first ever start. How about that, Orly? Yeah. Oh yeah. They said that yesterday. The kid looked. I mean, he got nailed the first play of the game. I mean, he got hammered. Came right up and, and had a great performance. Didn't affect him at all. That's big. He, he, that he, is he, big. They blitzed him and knocked him. They hit him pretty well. Hard. He got a roughing the passer. But the first shot on him, I mean, he comes back. That tells you the kid's got some mocks. But you want to know something? I mean, we said the same thing about Garoppolo as are saying about Purdy, meaning just manage the game. Don't be don't try anything you can't do. Just play within yourself and you've got a shot. And I think that's the same kind of thing. The only difference is Purdy's a rookie and Grop's been around ten years. And he could be back for the playoffs. Yep, that's right. He could be back for the playoffs. So can so can Debo Samuel. He could be back with the playoffs. <clears throat> got just a high ankle sprain. Good point. All right, Orly. Appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in. 26 past. Sports Talk continues. You want to follow that up. 
6009. That is our telephone number. I'm sure we're going to get more information about Texas tonight and who will be coaching the team in a matter of moments since that game tips off at 6 o'clock. But as we've talked about uh, before, we'll say it again, uh, part of the story locally, UTEP, and what uh, happened or didn't happen in the second half against DePaul. Uh, We're talking about a team that uh, played a good first half, but that four-point play at the buzzer killed them, the three-point shot and the foul. So instead of being down two, they're down six. They come out in the second half. They don't play defense. The intensity's not there. DePaul makes a couple threes. Next thing you know, they catch fire, get so many open looks from three, and they just destroy UTEP and bury them early, and the Miners are never able to recover. Second road game in a row that UTEP has been pounded uh, by their opposition. First it was New Mexico State in their big second half. Now UTEP uh, in this uh, in DePaul in this one. As you might imagine, Adrian, who never stops working, he was in Dallas Saturday getting ready to watch the Cowboy game with 915 tours. He still figured out a way to host Minor Talk and did it from his hotel room. And by the way, after listening to the show and the calls, it was another fiery edition of Minor Talk. Here's the man. I think a lot of it is, um, one, they, they didn't get the win against New Mexico State in round two, which which I guess uh, you can't be too upset with when they got one out of two so far. You have a chance to uh, make a statement on the road, and they didn't even look the least bit competitive for that full 40 minutes. And that's the most disappointing part because they pride themselves on that grit and that hustle. And it uh, looks like they just got outphased in every part of the game tonight. Keith is next up on Minor Talk. I have one Christmas wish. Bring back Northern New Mexico College as a future opponents for this UTEP Miners team. Haskins would say your team begins with your point guard. You have to have a point guard that can control the game, can set the pace of the offense, is a leader. Quite frankly, we don't have that this year. All right, next up is Sarah on Miner Talk. I am concerned about our rebounding. I'm concerned about them taking five shots on the offensive play. I'm concerned. I'm very concerned about us not blocking out and getting rebounds. I'm watching our guards, and I'm looking at Givens. I'm looking at McKinney. I'm looking at Hardy. And I think Hardy is pretty consistent. He got to work on his three-point shooting. McKinney is, can go to the basket. He's extremely fast. I'm concerned about his decision-making. Next up onto the show is Kingsley Onyema. It was frustrating watching the game, to be honest with you. Initially, I was hyped because they came out with a lot of energy. That, that attack was all like they were driving to ring. We're not shooting threes. Three is a, is a game changer in any game today. So I don't know if it was the altitude or whatnot, maybe because the air is thinner there, mm. that in the second half they came out somewhat lethargic. And then defensive and offensive rebound. I don't have any sympathy for anyone. I, I'll, I'll get on my son in a habit. Defensive Rebound, period. You don't allow your, your opponent to rebound in your foot, in your, in your toss. It's like all of them were missing their free throws. What is, I don't know what is going on. So yeah. someone help me. I don't think this is the coaches. I think this is the, the players learning how to play cohesively. Again, you remember last year we had facilitators. We have like, I would say, Sulebuan will facilitate. The enemy will facilitate. You know, you have to have that person who is going to be distributing the ball appropriately. Next up on Minor Talk is Ronnie. First thing I want to say is Minor fans are hilarious. 
Because I remember after the same Miners team beat New Mexico State at home, fans getting on this very show and telling us how much they enjoyed these players and how be- much better these current players are than last year's. And now you see these same Miners fans are upset with these players and saying they're not good enough and they're subpar. It's like, well, which one is it, Miners fans? Like, you're either going to ride with these kids or you're not. But you can't switch up on them publicly just because they have a, a bad game. Hey, Hardy went 5-30 and 30 in league play in his two-seeding Southern Miss, so he's not a winner. Griffins come from Evansville, which was the worst team in the Missouri Valley for the last two years. They were literally 2-15 and 15 last year, so he's not a winner. So what Golden has to do, whether he wants to admit it or not, he has to put McKinney in the lineup. Why? Because McKinney is the one guy... They come from a winning program. They play in the NCAA tournament. And he, and he knows what winning is. And you can just tell when he comes in the game that he knows what winning is. It is what it is. These guys are all 21-plus years old. And that's why the NBA doesn't like old people. Because you are what you are. You're setting your ways. And so what I'm saying by that is winners find ways to win. Losers find ways to lose. Play the winners. All right, Adrian. Thank you very much. By the way, uh, let's put it this way. How wild is it that we find out Rodney Terry is the coach from a tweet involving somebody who talked to Rodney Terry. Wouldn't you think that if Rodney's the head coach, he would probably defer it to the university to make that official and not announce it himself an hour and a half before the game? Yeah, this is a poor handling by U- University of Texas on this all, all around. I mean, they have not released anything about this, anything whatsoever. And that you know goes back to what Orly and, and you were talking about, Steve, as far as money. Money really talks, and it's so ugly that when we're talking about such a serious issue like domestic violence that, yep. and a felony domestic violence by strangulation, that we're not going in front of this as a university with uh, with Texas, uh, and, and instead you're having to hear this news from the associate head coach like Rodney Terry? I, that's terrible. That's a horrible look. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But you know what? Now at least we know. Listen, Texas was uh, – they're not prepared. They're not prepared for this, and, and I can understand why. So the fact that at least Rodney broke the news that he's the head coach, well, look, you're the associate head coach. We would all be shocked if Rodney wasn't the coach today, right? That would be the bigger story. Yes, that's exactly right. This is something that uh, it feels like no surprise whatsoever, but it is a surprise that Texas didn't come out in front of this and at least yep. said something. I get it. I We all work here in communications. We understand uh, tough situations like this, but at the same time, saying nothing is worse than not saying anything at all. I mean, it, it, like, put something out there. Put a statement out there. I'm with you. I back you up on that one 110%. So... Anyway, Rodney's coaching tonight. We don't know yet what's going to happen with Beard. Nothing's been said by the university, and we're kind of awaiting. All we've had so far is the details of the arrest affidavit, and they are not good. Ah, now, moments ago, Brian Fisher, who is a college football writer at uh, at Fox, just tweeted that Texas has suspended Chris Beard from his position as head coach and will withhold his pay until further notice, and Rodney Terry will serve as acting head coach. Wow, they finally released a statement after Mark Rosner released a statement uh, regarding this whole thing. Do you feel like this was kind of planned as far as releasing this statement uh, as soon as the the news of Rodney Terry becoming the head coach tonight? It's wild, or maybe that's a great question. I don't know, but the statement actually says the following, and I quote, The university takes matters of interpersonal violence involving members of its community seriously. 
The university has suspended Chris Beard from his position as head coach of men's basketball and will withhold his pay until further notice. And that, I mean, that just broke. So, and then it did say associate head coach Rodney Terry will serve as acting head coach for tonight's game against Rice. Wow. That is so fascinating, Steve. This is this is getting to a really bad point. It's it's uh, continuing, and once we hear all the news, it probably will get even worse, right? I, this is not an, a good look whatsoever for the University of Texas, which, no. by the way, pay, is paying Chris Beard $5 million annually of a seven-year deal. Man, oh, man. Yeah, that is – well, when, listen, when you're arrested in third-degree felony assault charges, uh, how could you not be suspended, Correct. Oh, 100%. And the fact that he, this didn't happen early hours ago, I get it. We're all trying to gather the same information. I understand that. But why isn't well, Texas getting in front of this earlier? I don't know. Maybe they were afraid of his, uh, of, of his attorney. But the attorney could say all he wants about how uh, he never should have been arrested and this and that. But the fact remains that when you read the arrest reports and you hear what uh, supposedly the woman had dealt with with beard it's disturbing disturbing and yes anyway we'll see and can you imagine though i mean if beard ends up being fired from texas and rodney terry takes over permanently this season what a story that would be what a story indeed, Steve. I, oh, I just I, I look at this. Lord. This is one of the the more bizarre storylines you're ever going to find, especially ever. knowing all the history, knowing all the history between the, these coaches and what it took to get them to Texas to me- assemble this mega coaching staff. And now the architect of all this, Chris Beard, is involved in this kind of incident. This is horrible. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Oh, I mean, you know. I don't think Rodney Terry in his wildest dreams ever thought he would he would you know assume coaching the coaching role because of this. No way. No so. way at all. I would also uh, like to highlight the fact that um, it, it should not necessarily be a uh, a surprise. It is definitely a possibility that Chris Beard will never coach another game at Texas because of all of this. And if that's the case, then uh, you know you, you probably hand the program over at least for this year to Rodney Terry, which is just bizarre to even think about. It really is. I mean, I if you're a UTEP fan and you and you're uh, and, and you're following this story, it's wild. It is absolutely wild. There's no other way to put it. Thirty nine passed as a sports talk continues. Five oh five six zero zero nine. If you would like to get in and through to the program. We would love to hear from you. I'm sure many of you have takes on not just uh, the situation with the UTEP game on Saturday, but what's happened with Beard uh, since this story first broke. So we would love to hear your thoughts and and get your phone calls in on the program between now and 7 o'clock. We do have lines available and, again, invite you into the program here as uh, Sports Talk continues. Before we go to break, if you are right now in the market to buy or sell your home, as you know. Lots of agents, everybody's looking for your business, and uh, some will tell you that uh, they deliver results, but Brian Birds delivers time after time because of stories like this. What happened with Robin? Lives in San Antonio, owns a rental home in the Cielo Vista area. She decided she was done with being a landlord, turned to Brian and his team to sell the rental property. No problem. 
in very short order, Brian's industry-leading marketing found a buyer, sold for $210,000. The closing followed quickly, and Robin now has one less thing to worry about. And just like Robin, you know, you got to find that sweet spot when you list your home. Not too high where it doesn't sell or too low where you leave money on the table. You need Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team powered by EXP Realty. He is the official real estate agent of UTIP Athletics, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. He's also the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. And that is because of results like uh, what happened earlier with Robin. Brian has hundreds of buyers ready to buy. So if you're homeless between $150,000 and $300,000, he has buyers for you. All you have to do is call him today, 751-1500, online at brianbirds.com, or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. All right, 48 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. We got a caller on the line. Let's uh, get right to Jerry. He's been waiting through the break as we continue. 505-6009. Hey, Jerry, thanks for waiting. How you doing? Pretty good, Steve. What a crazy few weeks here with the New Mexico State and New Mexico situation with those two guys and then now Chris Beard. Oh. And uh, prayers prayers go out to Mike Leach and his family. I, I always liked Mike Leach. I thought he was a, a good coach and uh, – he really interjected a lot of humor, and uh, from what I understand, he was a good interview. So uh, it was an amazing interview. We um, yeah, we had Mike Leach. We had Mike Leach on the show at least once, if not twice. There was a time where Mike was doing radio um, after in between coaching gigs, and we had him on, uh-huh. and he was amazing when we had him on. So. Yeah, I mean, listen, um, I lost my dad 18 and a half years ago to a massive heart attack at 58, and I know what it's like to have somebody here one minute, gone the next. And when I heard that today, uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, you feel you feel terrible for the family and, and what they're going through, yeah. and, and uh, you know, I'm hoping, hoping for a miracle. Let's put it that way. Absolutely, Steve. And I just wanted to um, uh, say something about the game. This past weekend with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I can't believe the Steelers couldn't beat the Ravens with with a backup quarterback. And uh, they put in Trubisky. I understand he threw three interceptions. And uh, uh, what's his name? Pickett got hurt. And what a horrible year this has been. I, they really need to cut Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. I mean, they add nothing. They'd be better off, Steve, with uh, somebody like uh, – uh, what uh, the guy from uh, New Orleans uh, back up there, the one from TCU, the quarterback, the the Red Rifle. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, I, you know, but but, they, but you know, but you know, Kenny Pickett's your future, right? You know, Kenny Pickett is your future. So, does it mean does the backup really matter all that much? Well, I don't know. Not if not if uh, you really need somebody to come in and not have a big drop off. From the first guy, yeah, that's you're, true. You know, you know, and uh, there's some other guys out there like um, the guy from South Lake Carroll, Chase Daniel, and the guy that uh, was quarterbacking uh, for that was a backup at Buffalo. That guy, yeah, that would be. Uh, uh, you know, you're not talking about. Uh, well, let me think. There's a lot of backups at Buffalo. You had Terod Taylor. Um, no. You know, you've got. Are you talking about the- Keenum? The Case guy Keenum. for Case Keenum. There you go, Case Keenum. 
they'd be better off with Chase Daniel or Case Keenum or even Joe Flacco, man. Oh. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a terrible, terrible Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco can't walk anymore. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but you want to know what Brock Purdy shows you? I mean, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft, and he comes in and plays well. To me, sometimes if you've got a really good system and then your quarterback gets hurt, you can get you, your backup can come in and can keep the thing going if, in that system. But if you don't have a great system and your quarterback gets hurt, then does it really matter who's there? Yeah, no, I know. But I, I was just hoping that Pittsburgh would finish with a, with at least a 500 record so that uh, Mike Tomlin could continue the streak of not having a losing season. But I, I, I don't think it's going to happen this year. That's fair. I, That's fair. All know, right. I'm with you. It is. And one final thing that I read, Steve, I don't know if you had read it before, but when Brady was a freshman in Michigan, they had Chad Henney on the roster and also Drew Henson, and they all they all played baseball at Michigan. I don't know if you heard that or not or had read that. But you remember I don't Chad remember, Henney and, and you know, Drew I don't Henson. remember Chad Henney playing pro ball, but I know Drew Henson played for the Yankees for years before, before he even tried getting back into football. So it was pretty wild. Drew Henson... You know, everybody thought he was going to be the next big Yankee. Uh, played third base, but unfortunately, Drew just couldn't hit for average. But that's pretty. Uh, that's a cool little story. I like that trend. I do. Absolutely, so. absolutely. I love it too. That that goes to show you what kind of athletes Michigan gets. Good job. Appreciate you. Thanks for the call, Jerry. Thanks for waiting. Let me say hello to Richard before we end hour one here on the phone lines. Richard, thanks for the call. Capulet, how are you? I'm good, Richard. All right, so first thing, Bijan Robinson should have won the Heisman. All four of them dudes up there, we've seen the picture. They all know they didn't deserve it, especially Caleb Williams. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Bijan? I love Bijan. I thought Bijan had a great season, but Duggan is probably your, you know, your Heisman winner just for what he did at TCU. But given the circumstances around Bijan Robinson, he was phenomenal. Could be one of the best seasons ever for a Texas running back, and that speaks volumes given their history. And continuing with our alma mater, Chris Beard, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard. I've been following it all day. What have you heard? What are your thoughts? And I'll take them off the air before I leave. Happy holidays to your family. And I'm going to go see you one Monday at the. Come on, Richard. On come on down. All right, all right, I appreciate it. I'll tell you right Chris now what Beard I think thoughts. about Beard. Yeah, I mean, listen. If the alleged uh, injuries to the victim in the arrest affidavit are true, I don't know how Chris Beard survives this, Adrian. I don't either, Steve. This is one of those situations where in uh, 2022 we have zero tolerance for issues yep. like this. Zero tolerance whatsoever. When you look at the affidavit, when you look at how gruesome it really is and what uh, Chris Beard allegedly did or you know didn't do possibly, um, it, it just does not look good whatsoever. The details are not – they're murky. This is a bad look for the Texas basketball program right now. I, there, there is no better way to put it than that right there. we got so much more to talk about over the next two hours. Come back with us. We're live. Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino with Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Talk is back with you. Welcome, everybody. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. The hardest part about today's show is trying to figure out the order that we were going to lead with story-wise. Because let's be honest. You know, Locally, the UTEP basketball team is a big story after what happened on Saturday against DePaul, especially in the second half. Huge story. And I was expecting that to carry the show. 
That was, I, was, I mean, that was Saturday night I was expecting it to carry the show. And then here's what happens. Well, Sunday's Cowboys game. And then I'm thinking, whoa, everybody's going to want to talk about how the Cowboys are not uh, as real as everybody expected. Or that, you know what, everybody gets a clunker and it was a trap game like Jadrian Taylor told us when he was on with Lane Frank during our Thursday segment in the 6 o'clock hour. Brought to you by River Oaks Properties. I'd like to throw that out there. Saw Lane last night, by the way. And uh, he's with his brothers. Man, oh, man, that, you're going to have so much fun with him on Thursday because one of Lane's uh, older brothers will be his celebrity guest uh, that will go opposite him when you uh, two are, are doing that segment from 6 to 7 uh, this Thursday. I'm fired up about that. I wonder which Frank will win on Thursday night as far as the NFL picks go. So this will be a lot of fun. At least it's going to be a Frank. We know that's that. That's right. That's right. That is, that is important. Keep it in so the that's, family. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So I thought, okay, maybe the Cowboys with the, with the deal against the Texans. Then today, the whole beard story hits, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, this has a chance to be the story that we talk about. And then Mike Leach, who remains in critical condition, according to Mississippi State, hoping for a miracle there. You had the over double overtime game with Navy and Army, which was, um, which was an unbelievable game over the weekend in college football. You had the trade today with the Braves getting Sean Murphy in the three-team nine-player deal with Milwaukee and Oakland. That's a major story. And by the way, it's not exactly like things are slowing down in Aggieland with New Mexico State basketball. They still have the cloud that they're dealing with, and yet they went over to Duquesne and buried them over the weekend. Uh, That's another thing. You know, you look at the Aggies right now and all the stuff that they have been dealing with, uh, both you know, mostly off the court right now um, and then out without some players on the court, this team is still in a spot, Adrian, to, um, you know, keep winning the games like they're winning. Um, they are currently, I think they uh, their record, let me see if I've got this right, Five and three, they're one and two on the road, and they're playing an eight and three St. Mary's team at eight o'clock Wednesday. That's going to be a monster, an absolute monster. So you know they just uh, beat up Duquesne pretty bad, and now they get St. Mary's, and they still are dealing with everything that's uh, from the fallout over the last uh, week or so when that story continued to develop. And we started getting more and more details from the supplemental police report. So that's still in the headlines. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in sports. Yeah, and it feels like a lot of the drama is is really trickling into the college side of uh, sports right now for all the wrong reasons, right? I mean, uh, the NMSU story being what it is, the Texas story being what it is today. Uh, I do give credit to the Aggies on the court. I mean, uh, they are an objectively good basketball team. You can look at Duquesne and say that team is probably a little bit better than DePaul was. And if we're you know uh, doing some kind of measuring right there and, and seeing what uh, NMSU could do, I'm really curious to see how they fare against St. Mary's, who is currently ranked 21st by Ken Palm. Then they play Kent State in the Sun Bowl Invitational. So a very interesting couple of weeks for New Mexico State lie ahead of them on the court. 
court. Who knows what happens off the court? This is such a, a, a you know interesting story that continues to develop and is now really making a lot of head waves as, as far as national news as well. That's that's exactly right, and something we can also talk about on the show. So you pick it. We've got it. There's a lot of stories uh, with both, you know, what happened today uh, with Beard and everything with UTEP and everything with the Cowboys and New Mexico State. By the way, before the game tonight, I've already there's already video of Scott Para, the coach of Rice, engaging in a long uh, conversation and dialogue with Rodney Terry. Yes, a hug too, Steve. They they gave each other like a long embrace. So they buried the hatchet. There's no. It looks like they've buried the hatchet. Yeah, it looks like those those guys are cool right now. And hey, I, I'll I think so too. I'll just say this: if it's uh, Scott Para who's just offering support to Rodney Terry uh, personally and having nothing to do with uh, Chris Beard, I think that's a class move. I, I like that right there. Remember this too, okay? Rodney Terry not that long ago lost his mom. So, you know, it's very possible that with everything happening today with Beard and then Rodney personally with the loss of his mom, it's possible that Perry came over just wish, you know, giving well wishes to him. And that could be how the whole thing started. It's very possible like that, as you mentioned. Hey, I'll say this. This might be unpopular, Steve. Uh, Rodney Terry has coached in over 300 games as a head coach. He didn't do well at UTEP. 37-48 and was his overall record with the minors. Uh, But somebody who has, you know, kept calm off the court when it comes to dealing with adversity and tough situations. Remember when he went into that anaphylactic shock uh, in the middle of a season and he still came back after that? I mean, that was some off-court drama in, in his personal life. And then even with the team, you know, there was uh, players entering the portal, leaving the portal, and handling that must have been a whirlwind in itself. That is definitely the case. And here's the thing, too, about what Rodney has right now at Texas. He has a team that... You know, we knew in El Paso it was talented because he had Sule Boom and Bryson Williams. But can you imagine one through ten, everybody is looked at as a potential either a high major or NBA prospect? That's what he's dealing with right now in Texas. He's got such a loaded roster, and he knows the system because Beards had that in place for the last year plus. Uh, and he knows Texas because he's been there for years with Barnes, and now he's back this time around. This might not be watching Rodney Terry coach the same Rodney Terry that you watched his X's and O's with UTEP because this team, top to bottom, is as stacked as any team in the country. Yeah, and if you want to talk about the top of this team right now, they're seven and one. They lost an overtime game this uh, the past week to Illinois. They've been faced. Uh, you know, they've faced some uh, really t- solid talent like Creighton, which they beat Gonzaga, which they beat earlier this year. Uh, and I really, you know, this Texas team on the court has shown already that they are definitely a threat, and they can definitely be a challenger when it comes to March and uh, moving ahead in the NCAA tournament. And I, I do, I'm just so curious to see what happens tonight. They have an already loaded coaching staff whether it's Chris Ogden or whoever it is on that on that coaching staff maybe Rodney Terry doesn't necessarily have to you know be as hands-on as the on the X's and O's side of things maybe he has to be more of a manager as far as a coach goes you know all eyes are going to be on uh, Texas and Rodney tonight to see what happens and how this team uh you know comes out against Rice given all the distractions of what they've been dealing with over the last 12 hours that's what's going to happen so I, I i can't wait to see what happens with rodney terry against rice and 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 what happens with texas at this point uh, it's going to be really really interesting so between that story 
and Mike Leach, who remains in critical condition uh, following his health episode over the weekend, um, which, again, reports are unconfirmed, but they're saying he had a massive heart attack, which would explain a lot. Uh, those are two coaches that have Texas Tech ties. Leach for years coaching Texas Tech football and turning it into a powerhouse. And Beard, uh, you know, what he was able to do at, at Texas Tech basketball-wise, I mean, you look at those two individuals, two stories that have huge implications in Lubbock here today, both uh, Beard and Leach. So those storylines are, are big right now. Then you look at also the World Cup and the semifinals and how right now uh, Lionel Messi is two wins away from winning his first ever World Cup title. And he's going to have, a, you know, you look at the way this is going to go down. Incredible matches at this point. And in the final four, you start to see just how, um, you know, how great it's going to be with Argentina and Croatia getting it started on Tuesday. And then France and Morocco on Wednesday. You almost feel like France and Argentina are on a collision course for that title, but we can't count out Croatia and we can't count out Morocco because they've been two terrific Cinderella stories so far in this tournament. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, Steve. I would also say uh, what we experienced over the weekend was just such exciting soccer. I mean, what we saw in that quarterfinal round, first off, Morocco-Portugal, that was dramatic in itself. Just that 1-0 victory for Morocco, how excited they were becoming the first African team uh, to make it here to the the final four of the FIFA World Cup and then the England France game that's like you know that's like Alabama Georgia for college football fans uh, you know that it was so much fun to watch that game so exciting back and forth England had a ton of opportunities I feel bad for Kane missing that uh, PK late in the match but France deserved it they earned that that spot and you know we talk a lot about Leo Messi Mbappe he's another guy that we talk a lot about as one of the young stars in this sport wouldn't it be fitting that one of the best of all time in Leo Messi goes up against Mbappe in the finals, and it's kind of the handing of the tor- torch right there as Mbappe is, what, just 23 years old? A-, a young phenom in this sport. That's a great point, too. Meanwhile, what happened over the weekend, the sudden passing of Grant Wall, that sent shockwaves through the sports world and the outpouring of uh, so many people around, not just in soccer, LeBron James, and just everybody in the sports community. Uh, went out and and wanted to share their thoughts of uh, Grant Wall, who, uh, from all indications, was as good a person and journalist as you're going to find anywhere. And uh, knowing that he was covering a semifinal match when uh, he collapsed and soon after passed away uh, is just one of those stories that, for a lot of us, very, very hard to believe. Whether he was 48 or 49, depending on, I guess, his birthday, because some have him born in December of 73. Others say he was born in 74. The point is, Grant Wall's sudden passing is another major storyline from this weekend. Yeah, I'm so sad about this. Everybody who follows soccer knows the name Grant Wall, and his work throughout the FIFA World Cup was uh, unbelievable. And the fact that he died uh, you know, in the middle of a match after collapsing at, at the Argentina game, like that's, that's, such, that's such a heartbreaking story right there. I've seen all the conspiracy theories out there. I don't even want to think about that right now. I'm just sad, saddened that we lost uh, one of the greats in Grant Wall. So, as we mentioned, there are a ton, and I mean a ton, of storylines that we can talk about here on the program between now and uh, 7 o'clock. 
Uh, it's nearly a quarter past. As Sports Talk continues live from the Ale House, we're going to be giving away free axe-throwing sessions here at halftime of the New England-Arizona uh, game. And that's courtesy of Relax El Paso, 808 Montana. We also have one free hour from Kick Social El Paso right next door at 812 Montana. We'll be giving those away here at halftime. We've got four packs of Rhinos tickets we're giving away. Uh, They had a big win yesterday out there at the barn. We also are going to be giving away, thanks to our friends uh, at at All That Music and uh, Video, located at the Fountains of Farrah just below the Best Buy uh, parking lot, we have insulated lunch bags, DVDs, and also those great bottle opener keychains for the Cards and the Patriots. Only way to win is with us out here at Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. Before we go to break and come back after Charlie won with phone calls and comments, Adrian, let's get through another physical athletics fitness tip of the day. What do you have for our listeners here today? Appreciate it, Steve. Appreciate physical athletics. They remind everybody out there, motivation is only temporary. Being disciplined and consistent, even when you don't want to necessarily go to the gym or work out, that's where you're going to get where you want to be. When I started my fitness journey with physical athletics, I had no clue what to expect. I quickly realized how awesome their staff was, how patient they were with me as I was trying to get better. The best part about physical athletics, they customize everything specific to you. Before I got started, they assessed my fitness level and they developed a workout plan that was specific to me. I could track my progress. I can download this app and I can actually go through the app that tells me workouts and daily reminders. It's never too late to start your fitness journey. Forget a New Year's resolution. Start your fitness journey today with Physical Athletics. They've got two locations on the Far East Side out of Joe Battle and Eastlake. Get a free one-week trial and see why we talk about them all the time. 915-996-4476. That's 915-996-4476 to get started with Physical Athletics. 21 past as we continue on Sports Talk Live. Border City L House, our home. Don't forget, you can always drop by the L House if you're looking for a holiday party for you and your business. They have a special room here. It's called the Green Room. And you can come into the Green Room at 1506 Lee Trevino and have a uh, party for you and your business. All you got to do is either drop by 1506 Lee Trevino and ask them about their holiday parties, or you can always call the L House, 599-2828. That's 599-2828. And get your business ready for the holidays. 505-6009, our telephone number here on Sports Talk as we continue uh, on the show. Looking at some of the messages on the chat. This came from Pinky earlier. Lost the app while Orly, uh, like while Orly was talking. No better time to lose it. Whew, Pinky. That's, uh, I guess if you're going to, you know, I guess for Pinky's sake, that's, that's the time to lose it, right? When Orly's Man, it's calling. fighting words right there. Come on, Pinky. Kind of rough, man. That's what I'm saying, Steve. That's a little harsh to make a dig out there. Come on, Orly's just here giving us his takes. Don't you think those two have more in common than that anyway? Yes, yes. They're both closet Cowboy fans, or one of them's not in the closet. He's a a loud, outspoken Cowboys fans. And uh, Come on, let's do it. I want to read a pair of tweets that came in earlier today from Adrian at Enemy Win, the number three. I still wonder if this is Adrian Paradis's uh, alter ego, but no, apparently this is another uh, another the burner, the burner account. Uh, here we go, two of them. Number one, hot take: Texas fires Beard. Rodney Terry leads them. 
to a national championship and gets the job. Oh, man. If Rodney Terry uh, ends up getting the job because, or like becomes the interim head coach, if in fact Texas does fire Beard and he leads him to a national title, oh, yeah. Rodney will have a major contract at his hands after that's over. You know that for sure. Uh, Texas would not mess around, especially given Rodney Terry's relationship with the school over the years. That's all he needs to do is make a huge run and go win the national championship. And 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 all minor fans will be completely stunned with the exception of enemy win three. I can't wrap my head around this. I like That question has left me puzzled right now. I have no response to this other than the fact that uh, if Rodney Terry really wants another job after this or wants to be a head coach again at some point and does have success with uh, Texas in this interim basis, he'll have his opportunity. I think so, too. I think so, too. Also, Adrian had this tweet earlier. Joe Golding is a good coach. But it doesn't mean a hill of beans if you can't recruit good players. It doesn't look like we have the players to crack the top four in CUSA. All right, now this is a story I want to talk about a little bit because with what's happened in these last couple of blowout losses, okay, first to New Mexico State, then to DePaul. Now, we should mention that these losses came on the road as opposed to being at home. But UTEP was down 39-33 after the first half. Should have been 35-33. But DePaul banks in a long shot at the buzzer and gets fouled and make it a four-point play, something you hardly ever see, especially the way it went down. But Kevin Kalu was called for the foul. DePaul went into the locker room up six, and they came out and just hammered UTEP in the second half, outscored him 52-37 and beat UTEP 91-70. to 70. Now, there's a lot of things we need to talk about, uh, and I'm sure you hit on all these points when you were doing minor talk presented by the Oscar Adietta Allstate Agency on, on Saturday, and we do need to get our hot hand of the game and our player of the game awards mentioned, brought to you by Wind Supply of El Paso and Keats Southwest. We'll do that. But as far as the UTEP team itself goes, Adrian, in my mind... Nothing has changed in terms of UTEP's identity since the start of the season. And in that regard, I believe that this team has got to play defense and has to outwork you and out-hustle you and out-rebound you in order to have a chance to win basketball games. And in that second half, when DePaul started making a, a three or two, and then all of a sudden... It became contagious. They couldn't miss. Part of the reason was they were open on a lot of their looks. That was the dagger. And and UTEP doesn't have the offensive firepower to battle back in these games. They just don't. And I think also fans probably feel at times like they were duped a little bit from the beginning of the season because they played well against Texas, beat New Mexico State at home, started off strong, and a lot of people thought, coming off of that Jim Forbes Classic, that this is a top-four team in Conference USA based on what they've seen. But what they have seen in these last two blowout losses is that the Miners have been exposed for being the kind of team that if they don't play their brand of basketball for 40 minutes, they're going to have a tough time winning games against good teams. 
when I'm speaking about the UTEP basketball team uh, and where they are right now, I'm just confused because I, I don't think they're the same defensive team right now than we saw three weeks ago. They allowed 14 three-pointers for DePaul. They allowed DePaul to snag eight offensive rebounds, which turned into second-chance points. They allowed DePaul to just shoot wherever they wanted on the floor, and the Miners had no response whatsoever. The 70 points doesn't surprise me for UTEP because I, I feel like 70 is right around the mark that they'll always get to. But allowing 91 points, ha- playing from behind the entire second half and looking flat, uh, lethargic, yeah. whatever whatever word you want to use to describe it, that's what was so surprising to me. And even Joe Golding, af- after the game, he's uh, with Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, talking about it. He's puzzled. He's dumbfounded as to what happened. And, uh, you know, he even said, simply put, they can't sustain leads. They yep. they took some bad shots, and uh, that's that. he called it, that's not us. That, that it really isn't UTEP. That really isn't isn't uh, what we've seen from this team all year long. I think you're right. And he was short with John because he didn't have an answer. And he came late because he was probably still hurt, you know, uh, searching for what, what to say. And he didn't have a lot of answers to that. I, the surprising thing was this. They had a big lead early. Then DePaul came back, took the lead late. But that four-point shot into the break was a dagger. And I really thought that Utah was going to come out fired up in the second half. But they didn't. They came out flat, fell behind big early, and I think the closest they cut it to was like 13. And other than that, they couldn't get any closer in the second half. As you would expect with a team who's probably only known each other for the last four or five months, they lack so much cohesion. That's where I get worried, going back to Adrian at Enemy Win 3's tweet, that's where I get worried about what he was saying right there, a top-four team in Conference USA. Steve, there's some really good teams in CUSA this year. In a normal year, I'd say, hey, well, maybe there's an out, you know, there's a chance they can compete to try to get a top-five spot, but there's UAB, North Texas, Florida Atlantic, who's much improved right now, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky – those are all great teams right there. The only bad teams in Conference USA that you could pinpoint at right now are, are Rice, Florida International, and UTSA. But aside from that, there's some quality programs in Conference USA right now. Now, you mentioned all new players and not playing together very long. You could make the same exact thought and same comment about New Mexico State. Whole new lineup, new head coach, new system, and even though they've lost three games, including one to UTEP, why is it that when you watch that team play, you just feel better about that group uh, than you do this one? And it's like that every year. You know, New Mexico State's objectively good. They're really good. I, I, I feel like they are going to be a team, as long as they have Xavier Pinson, Deshondre Washington, uh, as long as they can, t- if they could get Anthony Roy back in the mix and continue to get production from Muhammad and Gordon on the court, I'm not worried about the Aggies. I'm still just so worried if uh, all the off the court issues will start to trickle in and start to leading to uh, some, you know, unfortunate times for this group. But they haven't slowed down since all everything has really come against them. Nope. And that leads us to another big question um, when you talk about these two programs. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do, let's go right now to Adrian. He's standing by. It's the middle of the show. It's 531. He's got a bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update, and then we'll come back. We'll hear from you next. Sports Talk continues live at the Yale House on a Monday. 600 ESPN El Paso. 33 now past the hour as Sports Talk continues, 505-6009. Uh, Robert just stopped in to say hello, by the way. Remember, Robert was on uh, with us nice. opposite Lane uh, a few weeks ago? Yes. So, yeah, it was great. Came by, introduced himself. I said, hey, 
your dad just called like 25 minutes ago. So he had a big smile on his face. It was great. So Maybe his pops is going to join you out there. Maybe that's the case. Stays in the family. Stays in the family. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the Aggies and the Miners. Okay? Uh, two totally different situations. But I see this comment from so many people, and I hear it from so many people. Uh, Adrian, and you probably get it on Minor Talk all the time. UTEP fans are frustrated when they see season after season, year after year, the quality of player that is on the roster at New Mexico State versus the players that are on the roster at UTEP. And minor fans have always felt, and this goes back a long time, that there is just a different type of player in Las Cruces than in El Paso. It's a really interesting topic. I, some people might say, oh, this is recency bias. You're just talking about this right now. Well, look back to 2020. That was probably uh, Rodney Terry's best class and best team as far as prospects, names, whatever you want to call it. You got Bryson Williams. You have Sule Boom, Anthony Tark, Daryl Edwards, Jordan Lathan, Nigel Hawkins, Caden Archie, Eric Villa, uh, Titus Verhoeven, and Dion Stroud. Okay, we, we got that right there. But you look at that same year and what New Mexico State had on their team, Trevor and Queen, Jabari Rice, Johnny McCants, Terrell Brown, C.J. Bobbitt, Evan Gilliard, who couldn't even get minutes that, that year because of how loaded that team really was. So, yeah, it seems year after year, Steve, for whatever reason, the Aggies get a uh, a pretty high-quality player on their team to fit what they're trying to do. And uh, when, when you're trying to play the comparison game, it, it doesn't go well for the Miners trying to compare talent with uh, the Aggies. No, that's true. It doesn't. And it bothers, I think it bothers minor fans just because when they look at the eye test, the Aggies always seem to pass the eye test. And at the same time, the minors will, uh, will have a difficult situation. You know, it's a much more difficult situation. Now, to look at this team this season, when you look at the UTEP roster, okay, question is this. Do they have any Sule booms this year? No, they don't. Do they have a Jamal Biennemi? No, they don't. Um, and, and those are really, I thought, the two biggest impact players. But you could also ask, do they have a Keontae Kennedy? And I'll ask you that question. We know the answer with Boom, and we know the answer with Biennemi. Do they have a Keontae Kennedy type? And can you say that Mario McKinney Jr. could become the closest thing to a Keontae Kennedy that UTEP has right now on the roster. I could see that. I, I mean, Keontae Kennedy, I would describe him at his peak with UTEP. He was somebody who could change a game and actually win you a game at the mid-major level, which is big. I mean, if you could if you could do that. I, I think we're still waiting to see uh, Mario McKinney do that at, at, a, at a bigger level, but I think he might be able to get there. I, I Look, I, I still look at this team. If I had to pick a standout player or somebody who can make that next step, it's Mario McKinney, knowing that he has a lot of things that he needs to fix within his own game. I Sarah called in Minor Talk this weekend and pointed out his decision making. I, I would agree with that and also add to that by saying Mario McKinney needs to get his players involved more. That's what yes. will make him uh, that winning player that everybody expects him to be. But can he be a focal point of your team? Well, I, I, I don't know. You want to know something though? And, and, and I look at this and again, you know, he had four assists in that game against DePaul. And Givens had five assists in the game against DePaul. Um, and Givens only took three shots, okay? McKinney took nine. Um, Mario did have three turnovers. 
Shamar had one. So in this game, you know, you look at the assist factor and say to yourself, well, at times when I watch McKinney, he sets up his team beautifully. He really does. But he's also, you know, playing the point guard role right now, which is a spot that, you know, and he also plays the two spot when he's on the court with Givens. So that's the interesting thing is you only have Shamar this one year. He's a grad. He's after. He's gone after this year. So is Mario McKinney Jr., your heir apparent at the point guard spot to take over for that role, and or do you keep him in that hybrid role? You know what? I, I think that uh, real quick on Saturday, what we saw from Mario McKinney, uh, one of the best ten minute stretches of his uh, you know time at UTEP thus far. He had an amazing first half, twelve points. He he just lit it up uh, as much as he could do, and really killed it in the second half. It was a completely different player. It was uh, forcing a lot of shots. Couldn't he only got two points in the, in the second half? Only played nine minutes in the second half as well. I, I get it; it's a blowout, but just doesn't feel you know he wasn't really impactful in that second half. They had to rely on Tay Hardy scoring uh, out of the gate and I just felt like whether it was him or Givens, they just didn't have that same intensity like they had in the first half of that game. Yep, they didn't. They didn't. The first half, they came ready to play. They had a 10-point lead at one point. I thought they were going to blow DePaul right out of their own arena because they were playing good defense. DePaul couldn't hit a shot. Utah was getting baskets like crazy. It was almost looking too easy for them. And I, The first thing I was wondering is, man, can they sustain this? Well, the answer is no. But they looked good early. They just couldn't hold it. That was the biggest problem with, uh, with UTEP, really, in this one. But, I mean, you look at a guy like Kevin Kalu's line. Listen to this line. Eight points, nine rebounds uh, in 16 minutes. I mean, that's, that's really efficient. But it doesn't tell the true story, does it? He only played 16 minutes of action. And yet, you know, Kalu, with times will frustrate you, uh, you know, on the surface, hey, an assist, two steals, had a pair of turnovers and two fouls in 16 minutes on the court. You know, I was uh, I was writing some notes on Saturday about Kevin Kalu. I was wondering, like, I didn't ask this question on Minor Talk, and, and I'll, I'll ask it right now. Uh, he's played in 33 games. He's averaged 10 and a half minutes a game. He averages 2.4 points throughout his career, five points this year, uh, two rebounds, and 66% from the field. He's only played high school and ba- he only played basketball in high school, and the coaches really like him. But are people in or out on Kevin Kalu? Because I feel like like right now, Steve, a lot of people are kind of out for whatever reason, and maybe we've seen a larger sample size than maybe uh, we thought initially. 30-plus games within a system, I think that's a good sample size, don't you? Uh, I do. I do. And at times, we know Kalu is raw, um, but or is it Kalu? I keep hearing yes, everything. Kalu, Kalu, yeah, I, I hear the same I, I mean, thing. He's raw, but when you watch him play, you know, he was he he did he filled up the stat sheet in 16 minutes uh, against DePaul, but he also had that foul that led to the three point play off the backboard at the end of the first half that'll drive you crazy. So you know that's it. Take the good with the bad, and then you look at Onyema. I heard Kingsley's call to the program, but the fact is, when you're built like Z, you got to grab more than four rebounds in 24 minutes of play, and none on the offensive side of the glass. Kalu had three offensive rebounds of his nine. 
Yeah, and if you're if you're trying to uh, point out some of those, I guess inefficiencies by some players. I guess it also kind of starts at Jamari Sibley, right? I mean, uh, starting in this game, only plays 14 minutes, only attempts three shots. You can't have that, Steve. Jamari Sibley is still, uh, you know, dis- despite the uh, stats so far onto the season, he's still one of the more skilled shooters on this team, but he never uh, attempts them. So, so what's going on there? That that'd be one of my questions. Is it him being a little too passive? Is he not ready? right now or is it simply not getting those opportunities i'm not sure it's a good question it's a really good question 42 passed if you want to weigh in we'd love to get your thoughts and your answers on this 505-6009 that's our telephone number hanging with you for a little more than an hour to go at seven o'clock the cutoff time sports talk live out here at border city alehouse 1506 lee trevino getting you ready for monday night football it's going to be New England and Arizona, and we'll watch the Texas Longhorns as well as they get set to tip off with Rice here at the top of our 6 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Happy 7th anniversary to Adrian. His first ever UTEP prospect or sports editor piece Seven years ago today, covering UTEP and Washington State in college basketball. Man, where does the time go, Adrian? Where does the time go? Every year I kind of tell myself, oh, yeah, I started like in 2017 or like, yeah, I've only been covering this team for like four or five years and now it's seven. Like, where where did that go? I I remember interviewing Hooper Vint and him being so kind enough to uh, sit down with me after games. That's when we could go into the locker room. That's how long ago it was. Like, we, now we have no locker room access. I mean, uh, across college basketball, there's not a lot of locker room access. But those were the days where you just walked in, got whichever player who was sitting at their locker, and just asked them for a couple questions and asked them for a couple quotes. That was, that's, it's kind of weird to reflect back then. Mm, I know. I know. Um, we've been wondering, by the way, as far as uh, how UTEP uh, and the transfer will go. We've, you know, haven't had a ton of people in uh, in in last week, and then we saw Dennis Barnes um, declaring for the NFL draft, and now today, um, Josh Farr enters the transfer portal. Um, he's got a year left of eligibility. He'll be a grad transfer. Uh, This is someone that really has never uh, developed at UTEP. And I wonder how many more Josh Fars from this roster will there be when it's all said and done? You know, I feel like we've kind of seen already a, a, a little bit of a group of Josh Fars guys who just haven't broken onto the field and entered the portal. Uh, Varenzo Holmes being one of them right there. Uh, you've seen some of the early, uh, you know, besides Jeremiah Byers, the other uh, UTEP players who have entered the portal as of right now, those are the ones that you might pinpoint and say, hey, those are guys that just never got a chance to play at UTEP, and they might not have had any path to playing. Luke Soto, uh, it, was, it was tough for him to get on the field. Uh, same with Car- uh, Connor Villapando, the the former long snapper who entered the portal as well. That Those guys just struggled when it came to getting on the field. They did. Uh, and, you know, that's why we haven't really, I mean, the, the big name has been Jeremiah uh, Byers. He really has. And he keeps getting bigger and bigger offers. Now Oklahoma wants Byers. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, somebody who's had a lot of starts under his belt, I could see why a Power 5 school wants him. He's versatile. He could play at a lot of different positions on the offensive line, and he's a he's a first-team uh, first all-conference player. So I get the demand right there, and I think UTEP will be able to supplement that talent um, uh, admirably. And I also feel like we've got to tip our hat off to UTEP for retaining a lot of these players. We were anticipating the transfer portal being a, a season, and hey, I, I understand there's a lot of time left in this offseason, Players uh, could change their mind and could still enter the portal, but knowing that there hasn't been a rush to enter the portal by a lot of these top-level guys on this team, that that's pretty encouraging, right, going into this offseason? I would say so far so good. That's right. As far as some of the big names, you're 100% correct on that. When we return, we'll give you one more hour, and uh, we've got a lot more to cover here on Sports Talk. In fact, we will give out some awards uh, from Minor Talk after the DePaul game. We will also start to talk more about the Cowboys game yesterday and ask Cowboy fans, are they concerned? If you would like to get in on that, the Chris Beard situation. We don't know a lot yet, but we did read the uh, arrest affidavit. Can Chris Beard survive this? Should he survive this at Texas? Or is Chris Beard's days of coaching college basketball over? Great to have you with us. Dallas Cowboys update with Christy Scales. Five minutes away, live from the L House and right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Found an interview with Mike on Sports Talk from 2011. Back when Andy Lee joined me on Sports Talk. So we found it, and it was right when the time Mike was authoring up some books, and he had had a run of joining us a couple of times in that 2011 year. And just listening to the first 90 seconds of that conversation, because, Adrian, I haven't heard that since we, we, we did that interview back in 2011. Oh, man, that man was just one of a kind. Best way to put it. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing him just once um, while he was with the Sun Bowl, while he was here with Washington State, and I was working at the Prospector. And he just, he's unbelievable. You can ask him a question, he'll take it a million different directions, and it's all for entertainment. It's all because he's such a great guy. And uh, on the field, he's one of the best minds you'll ever meet in terms of football. He is. He absolutely is. And one of the funniest people you would ever meet in the process. So I think that's pretty accurate when we describe um, Coach Mike Leach, and I'm just hoping. I am hoping for um, a miracle and, and Coach uh, to be okay. Really am. Uh, in the meantime, you want to get in in our final hour, now's the time to do it, 505-6009. We can talk about Mike Leach and his legacy. We can also talk uh, about uh, UTEP basketball, which we discussed last hour in depth. We could talk about the Chris Beard situation. Speaking of uh, Beard, we got to find it, but hopefully we can get the, uh, U- the the Texas Rice game on the Longhorn Network here at the L House and have somebody put that on one of the screens. I want to see it because Rodney Terry is the active head coach. So, if possible, let's see if we could do that. Maybe we can get Poogs to make that happen. See if we could do that so we can get Texas and Rice Ooh, on the Longhorn Network. Stephen Poog is here. That's you better awesome. believe it. That's so yes, cool. Yes, Adrian. Hey, I, He's in the house. Real quick, I just got to tell you, Rice is up 6-2 early on into this game. Oh, are they really? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Wow. Wow. All right, well, the game is five minutes old. Yeah, that is interesting. Keep an eye on that. 
So Rice up 6-2 on the Longhorns. We'll see if uh, Texas is able to get their bearings. They're 25-point favorites in this one. I wonder, you think that line dropped like a rock over the last two hours? Yes, I do. I, with the news that probably that, that happened, I'm sure the odds makers thought, okay, all right, let's let's uh, sprinkle a little bit more over toward Rice, and maybe they're not as heavy underdogs as they were going into this game nope. uh, before this. It ended at 24 and a half. Oh, wow. So it didn't change, right? No, I think it went up. Wow. That is so weird. But everybody, I guess all the interest is now on this game. So money, I guess money went toward so Texas. Too. That's probably the case. Probably the case. You want to tweet the show? You can do it. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Also, excited to announce the news, Adrian, that uh, I believe we can talk about this, that uh, we will be uh, looking to air the Greater El Paso Football Showcase Saturday afternoon. From the sack. Oh, what great news. I, I loved all the coverage throughout the weekend uh, for the quarterback challenge. Ed Stansberry, Stansberry certified, the, the big uh, event that happened over the weekend with all the quarterbacks. Jacob Ledesma, tight end, ended up winning, and I, I love that player for Pebble Hills and what he was what he did on the field throughout his entire high school career. Um, I just love the Greater El Paso Football Showcase and what they do to uh, give kids here in this area an opportunity to showcase their talents in front of college coaches who are looking for players and looking to give out scholarships. This is an unbelievable organization that we've had such a great pleasure of, of uh, being a part of, supporting, uh, you know, helping them out here with, with this game, and I'm so happy that we'll be out there uh, for the big game. Me too. Me too. So I'm excited with you on that one, and we'll have plenty of that to talk about in the days to come before uh, Saturday. And what a day Saturday is going to be, because think about this. The uh, All-Star game is at 1. UTEP and Louisiana Tech is at 6. What a day for 600 ESPN El Paso. Seriously, and that UTEP La Tech game, that starts, that tips off conference play. We're talking about conference USA play in the middle of December and a road that will feature 20 different games throughout league play. I mean, this this is uh, really where it starts for UTEP basketball. Uh, for a team that's been blown out twice on the road, this has to be where they turn the corner right here Saturday at home against La Tech. That's true. That's very, very true. So... That's what's, uh, those are some of the things that are happening right now. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, Pinky just uh, te- uh, tweeted into the show that Chris Beard was released 144 El Paso time today on $10,000 bond. There was an order of protection issued for him. And as we talked about earlier, booked on the third-degree felony, which we knew. Right now, wanting to see how Texas handles this game with rice, so once we get uh, that update, we'll we'll get a chance to uh, pass that along here in our final hour. Let's talk awards. Let's talk about what happened after the loss to DePaul on Minor Talk with you and with Sal. Starting off with our hot hand of the game, brought to you each and every game by 
Wind Supply, El Paso. This one goes to Mario McKinney for what he did in the first half. Played tw- uh, 14 minutes off the bench in the first half, scored in 12 scored 12 points, and he was 4 of 7 from the field. He also hit a pair of three-pointers, which were much much, uh, much needed at the time for the Miners. He also chipped in with two assists and only had a turnover in the first half. He was an instant spark off the bench for the Miners in the first half. That's why Mario McKinney was our Hot Hand Award recipient from Saturday. Temperatures are starting to dip all week. It's going to be upper 40s, low 50s. That's into the weekend. And as the temperatures drop, uh, it makes it more and more important for you to have a uh, heater that can keep your house toasty. That's why we call this the hot hand of the game from Wind Supply El Paso. In fact, right now, if you go to their website, windsupplyelpaso.com, and you click the Find a Dealer tab, they have rebates on eligible champion equipment up to $425. If you want to save money and you want to find your nearest dealer, just click the Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com. That's the Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com. Let's talk now player of the game. How difficult a choice was this for you? Yeah, it was. I mean, look, this this was a tough one all around. You could look at a couple different players. Maybe you like what Kevin Callu did. Maybe you like what uh, somebody like Jonathan Dosanjos did off the bench. But it had to go to Tay Hardy. 16 points in this one. 6 of 9 from the field. Also hit a pair of three-pointers. Uh, had three turnovers in this game, but really was the, the force, the driving force, especially offensively for the Miners. Tay Hardy, another award recipient for the Player of the Game Award. Well, I think that makes uh, more sense than anything else, and, and I'm with you on that one. So, uh, once again, uh, Keats Southwest, uh, since 1958, providing customers with the highest quality of custom metal stampings, wire forms, and assemblies, all made in El Paso. In fact, it started, the business started in uh, Illinois, then moved uh, here in El Paso, opened up in 1994, and they've been here ever and so many items that are just commonly found, items you use every single day here in El Paso. You want to learn more, go online, KeatsSW.com. That's KeatsSW.com for Keats Southwest. All right, 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Uh, Did you realize that right now because of the winds, it's 46 outside, but it feels like it's 37 and that's just the winds and what it's doing here in El Paso. You know, it's been such a dusty, windy, breezy, whatever you want to call it, day here in El Paso. It's supposed to be uh, also a little breezy tomorrow as well, a little windy. Uh, and, yeah, I can I can understand that. When you get that 15 to 18-mile-an-hour wind, it definitely does feel a lot, a lot more chilly than it would uh, otherwise. Yeah, that's that's very true. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on, on that for you. And, by the way, they're putting on the – Texas Rice game right now out here at the Ale House, and I'm very, very interested to see uh, Rodney Terry's first game as active head coach with everything going on and how um, Texas is able to handle uh, the Rice Owls. Aren't you? I mean, if they if they can handle the Rice Owls, they're big-time favorites, and, you know, they started slow against UTEP and rebounded. Seems like the same thing's happening right now uh, with Rice. 
Yeah, I think so, too. I would just say that, you know, Rice off to a, a good start in this one. Texas needing a little early adjustments in this game. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to be interesting all across the board. Rice hasn't necessarily beaten anybody this year. Uh, they're yeah. okay. I still feel like they're probably in the bottom tier of Conference USA, and they're leading Texas right now 9-7. 9-7 after the first timeout with 15-04 left to go in our first quarter. Uh, first half, I should say. That's exactly right. Um, meanwhile... One of the things that Pinky tweeted to show, Texas UIL High School Football Championship Week at Cowboys AT&T Stadium. Um, How about this? What are your thoughts on Championship Week being played starting Wednesday? I mean, I've always thought that these games should be played on weekends, but if you've got 12, uh, if you have three games a day, you can't play them all at AT&T Stadium uh, on, on a weekend. you gotta, you got to spread them out, which is why they're going Wednesday to Saturday. I know that there are a lot of conflicts. Like, it, let's say they had um, two games going at one time. Like, let's say they had, the, um, I guess, a big game out at AT&T and another big game out at Globe Life, like, pretty close by or, or whatever, wherever they end up having it. I think that would make a lot of people upset about that, and they would not necessarily like two games colliding with themselves so maybe this is the most practical thing that they could come up with it's just a shame because I'm with you like it also takes away from some of these players having to play a a weeknight game for such a a significant matchup right here very difficult very very difficult and I and I agree with you Um, but that is you know how UIL handles it now um, you think about also this if Jerry wants these games and wants to be the home you really can't play them anywhere else unless you played them at the Star, right? But wouldn't you almost feel like it's if you play at the Star in Frisco versus AT&T that you're, you mean, you're getting the short end of the stick even though the Star is an awesome facility to watch games? Yeah, I, I would say so. If you get a chance to play at AT&T, you get a chance to do something that only uh, a small, small, small percentage of people ever get to do. And even just to step onto that field and to be a part of that kind of atmosphere, which is usually jam-packed, full of fans, ready to watch high school football. So, yeah, I, if I was a player may, and I made it this far, i definitely want to play at AT&T. Monday Night Football is getting ready to start. Speaking of football, the Car- the Cardinals, get this, 0-7 this season against teams 500 or better. The Patriots come in at 6-6, six and six, but they've lost and failed to cover all three of their primetime games this season. I mean, those are crazy trends. What the heck's going to happen? I know. This is a weird game where it is on, a one, weird game. on one end, Cliff Kingsbury might be coaching for his job for the rest of this <laughs> year, and on the other side with Bill Belichick, he might be evaluating his current staff members wondering, why did he decide to give Matt Patricia the offensive coordinating role? That's true. Matt Patricia does not seem like Josh McDaniels reincarnated, does he? Or Josh McDaniels 2.0. They're a little different. He's a defensive coach. What is he doing coaching the offense? I, I don't understand this whatsoever, and I think it's really hurt guys like Mac Jones, and it's made us uh, reconsider whether or not we think he's a good quarterback. So, so true. Quarter passed as uh, Sports Talk continues. Let's get to Charlie, and then we'll come back with an update on all the games as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue. I like this song so much we wanted to hear it again. Rice leading Texas 14-11, 10 minutes, 50 seconds left to go in the first half. Wow. Make that 17-11. Rice has drilled a three. Texas and Rodney Terry calling a timeout. How wild would this be? Do you realize that if Rice beats Texas tonight, 
and it's Rodney's first game as acting head coach with Beard in that situation. What a disaster. A disaster that would be for the University of Texas at Austin. Oh, forget about it. I mean, at oh. that point, uh, what a day. That would just cap off with, with, uh, with what has been such a horrible day, just such a horrible day for that basketball program. And it's possible, Adrian. It is po- you, you never know. Rice is 6-2, and two, but they're hot right now. They got some confidence early in this game. They look like they could smell blood. Oh man, this is uh, this is a surprise to see Texas down like this early on, uh, and it's also a surprise knowing what what kind of team Rice is. I mean, this isn't a team that has uh, Jelly Walker on their team like UAB does, or Eric Gaines like some of these other Conference USA teams have. This is not that great, of, uh, not that great of a Rice team, and they're hanging yep. in and, and playing well early on. Let's talk about the big story that happened during the break. Kyler Murray goes down with what appeared to be a non-contact injury and was replaced by Colt McCoy. Now, this is uh, potentially a disaster for a season that's already been a disaster for the Cards, but Colt McCoy just completed a big third-down pass, and now they're inside uh, the 35-yard line of New England on their first drive of the game. As a Colt McCoy truther, Steve, uh, I think that Colt McCoy is a very serviceable backup. We talked about that subject earlier on in the show as far as the NFL goes. And if I'm if I'm the Cardinals or if I'm any team out there, I'm looking at Colt McCoy thinking, man, this guy can can do some stuff for you. And uh, this, this New England defense has not been impressive whatsoever all year long. So we'll see what happens tonight well i'll say this they got lucky because there was a fumble snap that was recovered by uh arizona they did lose two yards but james connor just bailed them out after the the handoff from colt mccoy went to rye so good news there at least they were able to get the ball back and uh, on second down a pass broken up to uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So third down now. We'll see what happens for the Cardinals without their quarterback. As um, and 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 as far as this goes, this injury is so bad that Kyler Murray was carted off. And as he was carted off and being consoled by his teammates, he had a towel covering his head. An ugly look, Steve. I just you don't you don't you hate to see things like that. Even for Kyler Murray, who a lot of people have questioned, you know things like his leadership, things like that before, which I, you know is what it is. That's just the bottom line. Kyler Murray yep. played 16 games in each of his first two seasons. Last year, played 14 uh, of the 17 games, and then this year, 10 of of the games so far into this year. So 10 of of what 12. And uh, yeah, if they lose Kyler for the rest of this year, that's back to back years where he's missed significant time with this uh, Cardinals squad. That's true. Uh, Meanwhile, we're keeping an eye on this uh, Rice-Texas game as well. It is 17-11 Rice over Texas with 10.45 left in the first half. Alex Nikolas brings up a really good point, Adrian. If Texas loses to Rice tonight, Rodney Terry is going to have to block every Texas fan on Twitter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rodney Terry, uh, somebody who had uh, blocked a lot of UTEP fans when he was here at UTEP and got, uh, I guess, some controversy thrown his way. I, I like that tweet a lot. It's a great tweet. So let's see what happens. I mean, right now, UT's getting out-rebounded 9-4, to four, and Rice is outscoring Texas' bench 6 to nothing. So still, tons of time. Hey, we saw what happened Saturday with the Miners and DePaul for the first 10 minutes of that game, right? 
Exactly. I mean, uh, that game was very lopsided in favor of the Miners. They led for 15-plus minutes in that game, and then DePaul never looked back. They they went on a big run on their end, and uh, yeah, as a result, they buried UTEP 91-70. So, one point to bring up as far as UTEP goes, and this is an, an important one to mention, okay? This time last year, the UTEP basketball team was struggling just like they were now. Um, Sule Boom was not playing well. They were losing games. They were not in sync. They were struggling offensively. And they looked like a team that just had not found their rhythm. It happened later on in conference play. Now, you could make the same argument that this season is mirroring last season. I think the biggest difference to me, though, Adrian, as I look at the two seasons and try to compare, is that... Last year's team, despite the struggles, you knew they had certain guys that really could score and put the ball in the hole. And this year, Tay Hardy can do it. We've seen that with regularity. But other than Tay Hardy and now the, you know, the I guess the coming out party that is Mario McKinney's offensive game, what we've seen from him coming off the bench, there aren't a ton of players on this roster that you at least have that same confidence about like you did with uh, guys like Kennedy and Biennemi and Boom last season when the Miners' guards were so uh, guard-heavy. Right, because we saw, like, even you know, with uh, Rodney Terry, we've seen games where Sule Boom took over and won them games. Same with Jamal Biennemi. So going into last year, there was confidence that they had guys who had been there before. And when they were on that three-game losing streak that you alluded to, Bradley, UAB, La Tech, uh, in this late December, early January period, it, it was kind of weird for UTEP. And then I think the, the straw broke when they lost to Charlotte 66-53. And that's where the tur- – they turned the corner. They didn't lose a game uh, until February at that point. They beat teams like Old Dominion, Florida Atlantic, which was impressive, and also Rice, uh, speaking of. And I, I thought that run that UTEP made right there was really an indication of how they really tr- uh, turned the corner. I don't know. This year it's tough because they, they play such a tough schedule early on in conference play. La Tech early on, UAB early on. It's going to be tough to turn the corner this year just like they did last year. I think you're right. I don't think it's going to be easy for them by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, last season, once I think Boom hit his groove, they were really good. The question is, Hardy has shown the ability to score and make his shots. He's definitely not Sule, but he has the scoring power. The only question is, does UTEP have right now uh, guys that can become the enemy, Kennedy, and, and at least, you know, three, four, five scoring options where you know that you can get enough points to win games. Or does that not even matter? Because as you've talked about on this show, despite giving up 90-plus to DePaul and New Mexico State, they scored 70 against both teams, which begs the question, they have enough offense, and really, do we need to worry about this team offensively or is the truth of the matter that their defense is going to dictate how many games this basketball team wins, not their offense. 
I could see that. I could see they're they, they're always going to be a defensive centric team. I, I've always maintained that, and I think that offense can still come along as despite uh, our our skepticism around that, despite the general consensus and and just the statistical uh, performance thus far. They can't shoot threes. They have a tough time when it comes to the charity stripe. Seems like they're at their best when they're driving to the hoop and uh, drawing some contact uh, to try to get to the free throw line, but still making that shot. And uh, UTEP is going to have to attack the rim a little bit more but at the same point they're going to have to develop a three-point uh, shooting team at some level and if it's Jamari Sibley who's giving them three-point shooting or if it's Mario McKinney it has to be somebody on this team to step up and make some threes so here's a question for you could it be McKinney and could it turn into Jonathan Dos Anjos as your three-point shooter Ooh, I like that as possibly a, a name that we haven't talked about for that. I also would throw Otis Frazier back in the mix. Knowing that UTEP was blown out in back-to-back games without Otis Frazier playing in significant minutes, I guess that gives you some hope that they can get back on their groove, so to speak, offensively. Otis Frazier was awesome in his first couple games, averaged an over double, uh, double digits with this squad and only played in seven minutes in the last NMSU game because he's still dealing with that injury. So if they're able to get him back, I think that really really helps the miners out. That's true. Hit the bottom of the hour right now as Sports Talk continues. Dallas Cowboys, how much did the performance against the Texans change your opinion of this football team? We'll talk about it next, right after Adrian and one last bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you, Adrian. Texas has closed to within 20 to 17. 7.40 left to go in the first half, an official TV timeout. So uh, Longhorns down three after falling behind early to Rice, trying to catch up as they head to the break. Okay, so if you look at what happened yesterday in the NFL, and you look at all the games, the one that really uh, stands out the most is the Cowboys-Texans game. The game Adrian was at with 915 tours. Now, this was a game in which Dak Prescott did not play well uh, at all. He was 24 39 for 284 yards, but through two interceptions, the second should have ended Dallas's chances to win this football game. Really, he threw it, it was uh, a bad pass. It might have, his arm might have been touched a little bit, but it was picked off deep in his own territory. The Texans were up 23-20 with about three minutes left, and they had the ball deep inside the Dallas, uh, you know, the Dallas Red Zone. They were, they were there. They were first and goal. On second down, Jeff Driscoll throws a pass that I thought, you know, had a real shot at getting into the end zone. But I think it was Chris Moore who was down, who, by the way, had a great game, 10 catches, 124 yards, Adrian. But he was down just shy of the goal line, which set up a third and goal. And rather than hand the ball to Damian Pierce, uh, they went with Rex Burkhead, who only had one prior carry, he gets dropped for a, a one-yard or a two-yard loss, and then they go for it on fourth. Driscoll keeps the ball, falls shy of the end zone, and they turn it over deep uh, at the two-yard line to the Cowboys. 
And all Dak Prescott did was march down 82 yards and win the football game and redeem himself. And I just when, when I saw the Texans blow the opportunity, I figured this is why Houston is 1-10-1, and, and there was no way they were going to be able to keep Dallas out of the end zone because when you have an opportunity like that and you don't take advantage, you just don't get too many other second chances. And sure enough, the Cowboys made Houston pay despite a lackluster performance from start to finish. You know, with Dak, I feel like, again, it's it's some of the uh, same things that we've been talking about over the years with him. You get the good and you also get the bad every single game. And uh, in this game, you got a perfect example of the Cowboys playing down to their opponent, struggling the entire game. They were trailing at the half 20-17, to 17, which was uh, mind-boggling in itself. And then out of the half, how about that drive that the Cowboys had all the way down to the one-yard line of the Texans, and then they stopped him on a fourth and goal try where Ezekiel Elliott could not punch it in uh, to the end zone for a touchdown. Just didn't like the play calling there. There was just a lot of issues with that Cowboys offense that I think um, were kind of I I guess blanketed a little bit because of the victory for Dallas, but I I just didn't like what we saw from the passing game. Did not like what we saw uh, with like mixing in both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And going back to that fourth down play at the one yard line for Houston, I think Damian Pierce, I'm not sure about this because I I was, you know, I was watching it and I did not see it on TV where they could have probably explained this better. But I think Damian Pierce was injured throughout that final stretch. And I think that's why they threw in Rex Burkhead. But I'm not so sure if if, uh, Pierce could have went on that last play or not. That's a big question right there. And that could have changed the game. Houston would have won it. And then we would all be asking questions right now. What's going on with Dallas's offense and how do they solve it ahead of the playoffs? Yeah, that's true. We really would. Um, But that's not the case. That's not what ended up happening. You're right. Um, Do you feel different about the Cowboys after what happened involving, uh, you know, uh, nearly losing to Houston? Do you feel suddenly like this team um, is not as, uh, well, you know, you thought that it would be them and the Eagles early on. Do you feel that now maybe it won't be? just a, a two-team race or a three-team race like we thought originally? Well, I actually, I maintain my same thought with this Cowboys team, even after the win yesterday. I, I think this team is still, uh, I don't know, a piece away or just a little bit away from being to where they want to be, and that is beating the Eagles, being uh, the best team in the league and trying to get to the Super Bowl. I That's why I go back to things like maybe signing Odell Beckham Jr., maybe upgrading at another position and, and seeing what you can get. Now, they are getting Tyron Smith back soon to their offensive line, which is huge, but they take a step back in losing Steele this weekend uh, due to an ACL injury, Uh, and he's out for the rest of the year. So uh, as soon as they take a step forward, they take a step back, and that's uh, tough if you're a Cowboys fan. Well, and then they also went ahead and signed uh, T.Y. Hilton here today. That's right, and that might indicate that maybe they don't want to necessarily sign Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe those hopes are fading away. I was writing about that on on our website to also recap the trip, and maybe that hope is fading away to get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Those who are skeptics would say, hey, he's only going to be available for the playoffs. Why would you sign OBJ to a locker room? And to that, I just say, look at last year's Super Bowl run with the Rams and what kind of an impact Odell Beckham Jr. made on the field, even in limited performance uh, with L.A. It's a great point, too. Um, he did, but some believe, and you can you can chime in on this from the L.A. standpoint, that Odell will be more of a distraction than something that's good in the locker room with a team that already right now 
looks like a solid, solid, um, you know, playoff team that's going to go deep. I acknowledge that Odell Beckham Jr. had some questionable decisions that he made off the field while he was with New York. Never anything serious, right? Like, never any kind of criminal or anything like that. It was just more character-based uh, decisions. Also, his family being involved in things uh, on the off the field with the Browns and with the Giants. But ever since he went to the Rams, it seems like he's really matured. With that Super Bowl ring, it kind of stamped uh, his validity. Uh, a lot of fans love Odell Beckham Jr. as well. And I think the narrative of him maybe being a distraction in the locker room, I think that needs to be thrown out the window right there. He he hung out with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs over the past weekend as they were hosting him uh, through his recruitment uh, time with the Cowboys. So I I still think that uh, the Cowboys would be, be you know they would benefit from getting somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. And I just feel like they need one more piece to set him over the top to really make them a contender. Well, they're close. Uh, the question is, if they have that one piece, who is it going to be? What's the one piece going to be to make the Cowboys, um, you know, elite? Because if you sign Beckham and he doesn't play this year or the postseason, I mean, you know, you've invested in somebody you hope will be there, but what if that uh, he's he's not able to recover enough to be on the field? That would be the big. Uh, that would be the deal breaker for me, right? Like if he's not available for the playoffs, no way. That that doesn't make sense. But if he plays at least one playoff game for you, I say it's worth it. Why not? I mean, it, it's not like there are uh, a ton of free agents in this uh, upcoming off season for the Cowboys. Aside from Tony Pollard, Leighton Vanderesh, they've they've uh, hinted at moving on from him since they got him pretty much, or uh, since his second year at least. So yep. I would say if I'm the Cowboys right now, why not? You have that open checkbook policy. You love to signed stars why not go with Odell Beckham Jr. You want to uh, chime in in our final segment of the show our final countdown now's the time to do it 505-6009 we're live Porter City L House 1506 Lee Trevino where we're going to be giving away Rhino four packs we've got also a great prize pack for you Cardinals and um, Patriots fans courtesy of all that music and video located at the Fountains of Farrah just below the Best Buy parking lot and we've got a free hour at Kick Social El Paso at 812 Montana and two free axe-throwing sessions from Relax El Paso, 808 Montana. You want to win? Now's the time to join us. Come by, and we'll do it at halftime of the Monday night game right here, 600 ESPN El Paso.